You know, it seems like that as time goes on, there's more and more problems and trials and tests and all kinds of things. Seem like every, every time you turn around, somebody's facing something or you're facing something or I'm facing something. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not anything new. Look at what Apostle Paul has to say here in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 8 and 9. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Uh-oh, looks like he's got a problem, doesn't it? The New Living says, in the meantime, I'll be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There's a wide open door for a great worker, although many oppose me. I think it sounds like the Apostle Paul sort of has some uh, problems, right? Now, here, as we look at this scripture, he, he states that there is a great open door, a great opportunity to minister there in Ephesus and uh, be able to establish a work. He was excited about the opportunity and adjusted his plans so that he could continue to stay there and minister the word. Now, he mentions that many oppose him just as a statement of fact, not complaining, not griping, just a statement of fact, this happens. He mentions his adversaries not as a statement of fear, but just as a statement of fact. These verses, you know, in these verses, I begin to see some things that wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, we are going to face adversities. You know, some people think that just because you, you learn how the authority of the believer and learn how to live by faith that that it's just going to be flowers and no problems and so forth. That's not the way it was. Apostle Paul wrote more about faith than anybody else in the New Testament, and yet he had all kinds of difficulties. Actually, I think that when you start to follow God and try to do what God wants you to do, that the enemy, he, he ramps up everything that he can against you to try to get you out of following God. You know, we, some people say, well, I guess I'm out of the will of God. I'm having all this trouble. Well, let me say this to you. I don't know who said this. I didn't, but I got it anyway. Neither the absence nor the presence of adversity is an indicator of what the will of God is for your life. You know, if, if Paul had believed that he, this, all this adversity that was coming against him was, uh, you know, he is out of the will of God. I mean, man, he would have got out of Ephesus as fast as he could. He would have got the fastest donkey or camel or whatever he could get to get out of there. But his, his attitude was, hey, man, there's a great opportunity here. I may be facing some obstacles. I may be facing some adversity, but there's a great opportunity for the gospel here. And 
You know, if he'd have had the attitude like some people do, anytime they come up against a difficulty, they wilt like a, like a flower in the August sunshine here in, here in, <laughs> in Oklahoma. If he'd had that attitude, he would have never fulfilled the call of God upon his life. Every uh, adversity, every situation, every opposition that came against Paul, he, with confidence, said, my God will deliver me. You know, any of you ever had had to face any adversities in life? Thank God for the 25. I've faced some. I'm glad the rest of you didn't have to face any. If you're breathing God's oxygen, you faced adversities. And if you hadn't faced one yet, just hang around. There's one right around the corner. Hello? Come on now. Is that Grady Pickett I see over there? Hey, there's Grady from Iraq. Good to have you here, bud. That's one of our Rhema people. Everything going all right over there? Uh, so, so, uh, okay. <laughs> I stay in contact with Grady. He's one of our, one of ours over there. And uh, there's a man that faces adversity every day, every time he gets up. His family, they face adversity. But you know what? God, we must remember what the Bible says. The devil wants to destroy us, but God wants to give us a life and more and that more abundantly. Right? You know, if God by his power delivered all the people, even in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, Daniel and Elias, then the three Hebrew children, and you could just go on and on story after story. And then in the New Testament, the many times he delivered the people, especially the apostle Paul, if he did that from then, he's the same God with the same power today that he was then. So he will deliver us. Hello. If you want a title for this, sometimes people want me to give it a title. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And if I don't, they, they, when they're recording it, they give it a title. And then somebody says, well, you preach this. And I said, I didn't preach that. <laughs> and then they start telling me what it was. They said, oh yeah, I preached that, but that's not the title I give it. So the title, I, I'll give you a title. God is faithful to deliver. Now, you know, you know, I, I, I like to read about David and study the life of David because I don't believe that there's any, anybody that faced any more opposition than David. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of troubles. But he said in Psalms 34, 17, 
the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. All. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Now look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord helps the ones he can. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I sort of like the way the New Living says it. It says it a little more like we would say it. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those with spirits, those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. The Lord comes to rescue each time. Now, many times the Lord might come to rescue us and we're wanting it to be a certain way. Hello. You know, there's this man and his, he was uh, on top of his house. It had flooded. The water was up to the roof. He's sitting up on the very top of the roof. And people kept coming by and different ones would come by to rescue him. And, And finally, the water got so high he drowned. And he, he asked the Lord, well, why didn't you deliver me? And he said, I sent five boats by and you refused all of them. He said, well, I wanted you, I wanted you to come down and supernaturally <laughs> deliver me. Now we laugh about that because that is sort of crazy. But we need to stop for a minute. Do Sometimes when the Lord is trying to deliver us, we may be wanting it in a certain way. Come on now. Don't look at me like that. People, (laughs) hey, I've been been doing this for about 20 years now. I've been speaking about 20 years now. (laughs) 60 something years I've been doing this. And I've come across a lot of people that they... They're praying for the Lord to help them, but when he does, they don't want it that way. They want it some other way. It, it was several years ago, back whenever, and it had to be several years ago. It had to be back about past uh, about 77 or so, because that's when I, after that, I, 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 I didn't, we had the office and the, they took the money. And I used to take all the money and, all the school and everything else. Well, this boy, he he had, he came he he came and and said, "Well, I can't pay my tuition this month." We said, "Well, don't, don't worry about it. It's already been paid." Who paid it? He was praying. He said, "Well, your your parents called and said to ask if you were uh, caught up with your school tuition." And we told him, well, "No, he he wasn't." And I he said they they sent it in for. You're paid up for the rest of the year. Well, I won't accept it. I'm serious. That's what he said. I won't accept it. I was praying for the Lord to send me some money. 
the question I, I said, did they know, did they know, did your parents know that you didn't have money paid? It? No, I haven't told anybody. I said, well, how did they know then if maybe God wasn't dealing with them? Well, okay. He was disgruntled. God had provided, had made a way of deliverance for him, and he, he wasn't happy about it because it didn't come the way he wanted it to come. Now, I know some of you sitting there looking at me, but, but how many times do we sometimes miss a blessing because it didn't come the way we wanted it to come? Hello. See, David was convinced that God would deliver him out of all his troubles. You know, I guess... He could write these scriptures because he had killed the lion and the bear. He had overcome the giant. He escaped time and time again from King Saul that was chasing him. And when he was in the palace, Saul, would, if you read the story, Saul would get all upset and then he'd call for David to come and play on the harp. And then Saul would get upset and throw spears at him and he'd, but he, he'd, none of them managed to hit him. And you know, he was victorious over the Philistines time and time and time again, if you read the story. He was one of the most victorious kings that Israel had. When he was ruling, they were victorious all the time. Why? Because God, he trusted God for deliverance. He realized that in the humanity, he had to do something but he expected God to come in on the other side. And you know what? Like I talk all the time that we're living in two worlds at the same time, a natural world and a spiritual world. And it's not all natural and it's not all spiritual, but we bring it together and we got something happening, something going on. Now you do come to a point sometimes when it has to be all spiritual. And if you're going to cross that road out there, you better be in the natural and realize that you can't walk out in front of a, all that traffic without getting hurt. You know, I've seen some people, you know, they'd say, well, I know they say there's, there's bad storm coming, but I'm not even going to do nothing about it. God's going to take care of me. Well, now, wait a minute. If you were in a position that there wasn't nothing you could do in the natural, then you can stand on that. But if there's some things you can do in the natural, you can't, you can't stand on that God taking care of you. But if you do what you got to do, then God can come in and do what he has to do. Hello. Come on now. 
You see, God delivered Paul many times. But one of the times he got delivered, he did something about it himself. He, he left the town himself. He got down over the wall so he could preach another day. You know, David's testimony was God is faithful to, the, to perform and he will deliver. We need to de- develop that attitude. We need to uh, develop the attitude God is my deliverer. Now I will do what I have to do in the natural, but God will do what he has to do on his side, on the spiritual side. All the time I say it, natural and the supernatural working together make the explosive force for God. You know, we, we live in a natural world, but we also live in a spiritual world at the same time. Now, on the other side, some people, they think that's just on the Christian's part. No, that's not on the, just on the Christian's part because the devil is the God of this world, Paul says, and in Corinthians, there, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he says that, that's a, that the, the devil's world is a spiritual, spiritual world too. Some people don't ever think about that. So they're living in two worlds at the same time too. We're living in two worlds at the same time. Our destination is, is heaven. Their destination is hell. Now, oh, I just made a boo-boo. No, I didn't. It's time that the preachers got back telling people that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and you're going to one of them. When you leave this earth, you're going to one of them. Now, we don't have to be mean about it, but we need to start realizing hey, we have got to realize that it's not all fun and games. We're in a fight for life. Hello, the good life, the life that God wants us to have. The God that says that at the end of this life, there is another life. Well, I better go on before I get in trouble. God will deliver us out of every one of our situations. God will cause us to triumph when it doesn't look like we should. We just have to believe. You know, I tell this story all the time. Y'all have heard me tell it. I was working in that freight dock going to Bible school. Foreman riding around asking, can you do this? And can you do that? Can you do it? And everybody was saying, and there were two car loads of us that were, we called a breakout boys. We're breaking the freight out and getting it in the trucks where it goes to long distance, you know? And, uh, so I said, yeah, I can. And a guy, he went on by a guy and I said, Hagen, you can't do that. I said, well, I know a little bit about what he's talking about. And besides that, the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And that's just not spiritual. It says all things. It didn't say spiritual things. It said all things. And I said, I know a guy, I'm talked to him. And I, and I was back. You got to realize that was 1959. (laughs) Uh, So you got to realize we didn't have no internet, but we had a library. So I went and checked on some things and, and But you see, there is where I realized 
that with God and my natural ability, I could accomplish this and I got, I got the position and they didn't. Hello? Anybody understand what I'm trying to say? Now, when we go back to Paul, we go back here and we look at, look at his life. Let, let, let's go, first of all, he's writing to his son, Timothy, son in the faith. Many times we don't say that, we just say his son, but well, it was his son in the faith. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 10. 2 Timothy 3, 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra with what persecution I endured and out of them all the Lord, what? Delivered me. Let's read it in a new living. But you, Timothy, certainly know how I teach and how I live and what my purpose is, my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Here he's talking about the places where he's at. Now, he, he went there. And if you'll study him, he always went to the synagogue first in those places to preach and teach, but the Jews rejected him. So he went to the Gentiles. And I don't have time to teach on that, but I do, you know, that's the truth. Now, it was at the hands of the Jews, his fellow countrymen, that all of this was happening to him. At Antioch, I call him, Lystra, Paul suffered much trouble. Now, let's look at, at Acts 13. Now, when it says Antioch, that is Antioch, Poseidon, and not Antioch in Syria. And you, you go back up to verse 13, 13 and you can read that. But we're going to drop down to in Acts 13. Instead of Acts 13, 13, we're going to go down to Acts 13, 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things Paul spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you rejected it, now he's talking to his fellow countrymen, you rejected it and, ju and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation at the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And many, and, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women and chief men of the city and raised up to persecute Paul and Barnabas and expel them from the region. Then, Look at him down. Let's look at him down here at Iconian. Acts 14, 1 through 6. Now it happened in Iconium 
that they went, to, they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. Now see, there he's going there to the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude, both Jews and the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there for a long, they, speaking boldly of the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, parts with the apostles. And when, the violent, when, and, and when a violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycomia and the surrounding region. Now I want you to notice there, here, they, 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 in the natural, they realize, hey, we've been, we, we got to get out of here. And they did. At Lystra, here, now look at what happened here. In Acts 14, 19 through 20. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconia came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city and the next day departed with Barmanus to Derby. Now here, there is three pretty significant deliverances that Paul had. Now he was delivered from every persecution, every place he went, he was delivered. Now I want you to notice something here. This is interesting. He had been delivered. If he'd been like some of us, he probably wouldn't have went back. But I want you to notice, after he'd had all the trouble in these places, Paul went back to these same cities. It said to strengthen the brethren, to preach to them. In Acts 14, 21, 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, he faced many, many, many obstacles, situations. You know, you say, yeah, but you know, that was that. But we face all kinds of situations our own self. Financial situations, family situations, physical situations, all, all kinds of things that we face. But if we will believe what the word of God says, we'll be delivered. Too many people, they start out good but they don't finish well. It's one thing to start a race. It's another thing to finish a race in the natural. I ran track in high school. I'm, I like, I, and every time it's on the TV, I watch it. I watch the Olympics. I believe it was the 68 Olympics in Mexico City, I think it was. I may, I may, I may have that wrong, but... I'm not, the story's not wrong, but I may have the place wrong, but I think it was in Mexico City and the 68 Olympics, I believe. And there was a fellow from a little country. He was running the marathon. And 
The race had been over for a long time. In fact, they were starting to clear the stadium. The officials were even starting to read. And all of a sudden they heard the police sirens blowing and, and here come Aquari, I think, I, I think that's the way he pronounced his name. He came stumbling through the gate because they had run the 26 miles and then uh, the, the, the marathon, they run it outside and they run the last 400 around the 400 meter track. And he was stumbling along, blood was streaming down his legs, his arm was scratched. He, I mean, you know, but he, he was barely dragging one leg, barely being able to move. But he finished the race and they asked him, they said, what in the world? This has been over. Why didn't you quit? He said, my country didn't send me all these thousands of miles to start a race. They sent me to finish a race. God hasn't started us on this race to drop out, to quit just because we run into some difficulty, but we're to finish the race. We're to finish the race. You know, Paul finished his race and at the end he said, I've finished my race. Hello. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, Paul writes this. Are they men talking about others? Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prison, more frequently in deaths often from the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Now he did that five times. He received 39 stripes. Hello. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the, in the deep or in the sea, in other words. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepiness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that will come upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. But then Paul, if you go on and read there in Romans, Paul said, it, nay or no, in all these things, we are more than a comfort. Why? Because he, God delivered him out of an all. Now, see, these things could, Paul could have used these things to stop doing what he was doing. But instead, he focused on what the Word of God said and what God told him to do. We need to focus not on our troubles, not on what's going on in our life, but we need to focus on the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to his written, he's quoting what David said, According to as written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he was raised up. He, he raised up the Lord Jesus who will raise us up with Jesus and present us, us with you for all things for your sake, that the grace having spread through many may cause thanksgiving to abound in the glory of God. Therefore do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day to day. Now here's what I wanted to get to. For our light afflictions. I mean, he called all of that light afflictions. 
which is but for a moment, temporary, is working for us a more, more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but we at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are eternal. We have, hey, we have the same spirit of faith. Therefore, we believe, we speak. We need to learn to raise our voice and speak what the word says. Not what we heard somebody say. You know, I heard somebody here a while back and they're saying, and they said, well, Brother Hagin said, and if, and uh, hey, I grew up in his house, I can say this. Who cares what Brother Hagin said? He would say that. I've heard him say it. Who cares what I said? What does the Bible say? He said, all I'm saying is what the Bible says. You don't have to put my name on it. You put the, say what the Bible says. That was his, that was his thing. You ask him a question and his first thing out of his mouth is, what does the Bible say? What does the word say? When I was 14, 15 years old, I was having some difficulty. I said, dad, what are we going to do? He said, oh, just another opportunity, son, to prove God's word works. See, Paul talked about this. He said, this stuff is temporary. It'll pass. Why was it temporary? Why is it a pass? Because you're speaking what the word says and it can't stand against the word of God. Nothing can stand against the word. Hello. I preached long enough. Everybody stand up. I still got a page and a half, but I'm going to skip it. <laughs> Anybody get anything out of this tonight? You know, I, I, I bill this Wednesday night hour of power and it's two, it's 7.59 right now. Hey, let's say this together. We declare, we declare God is faithful to deliver us. The enemy is defeated. Those who rise up against us will be defeated. God, God is for us and nobody and nothing can come against us. We have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift up your hands and thank God for the victory. Thank God for the delivering power. Thank God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey, if you're in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know him so you can rejoice with us at, like we've been rejoicing. If you know what it is to serve God, but you just sort of detoured and got off course, then you need to come back and rededicate your life. If you're here tonight and you know you've been born again, but you've never been filled with the Spirit, according to what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. If you, any one of those three invitations... The ladies over here and the men over here, these are our prayer partners. If you'll come down here and pray with them, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, makes no difference. If you need prayer for any reason, as we're dismissed, you come to the front and they will pray with you. Amen and amen. Hey, connection team, go find our first time guests and take them out in the north lobby to receive that gift we have for them. And if you're looking for our church home, why do we say church? Welcome home. Come on and join us. We have a great time around here serving God together, bringing hope, help, and healing to the world that we live in. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sunday morning right here. 
Come believe and come expecting. God bless you. We'll see you. Remember, God will deliver. So don't cave in. Hang on.